0: Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Edwin Porter, Dr. Physical Therapy, Medical Analyst, FantasyPoints.com. We have a very special guest today. We have the one, the only Ian Harditz at PFF. No, you're not at PFF, Ian. I don't know why I thought you were going to be at PFF, Ian. It's just, it's at I Harditz. Um I don't know if what it, you're- yeah,
1: If they want to pay me a little more <laughs> to uh, put that PFF in the handle, they can let me know. But I don't know. I I never got the, uh, I never got the memo, uh, you know, from PFF to do so. So we are still, I Uh, Just this funny story with that real quick. I got suspended from Twitter one time for posting what? too many live game highlights it was brief but i uh, had some help in the industry to help me get unsuspended and someone just their response to the whole ordeal was like yeah maybe have a handle that doesn't seem like a porn name so uh maybe i should throw yeah. the pff in there i uh, help myself out in the
0: future i 100%. heard it yeah that sounds def- definitely like uh it could be a, a construed a little bit well <laughs> you are you still the president of the cordial patterson fan club though
1: Absolutely. Always have been, always will be. Looking and you better. have your,
0: your screen name right now on our the Zancaster is Auden Tate Wide Receiver 1. That's um, also in your in your Twitter profile. Um, I'd like to know when you're going to give some running backs some love, man. Quarterbacks? Anybody. Other than Drew Locke. You're obsessed with Drew Locke, but you, all these wide receivers, Auden Tate. Uh, we still got to discuss the whole Amari Cooper how is he only 21 years old? Like you, you love talking about wide receivers, but you give no other positions. Love. Are you actually a fan of the game? Do you actually love the game or or just Cordero
1: Cordero Patterson is a running back. So I don't know what the hell you're even talking about Uh, there, Edwin. Uh, I will say this, man, like, I do have beefs with fantasy football about, like, how it kind of reflects on the game. Like, the fact that you get a full freaking point per reception, uh, I don't think it adds up, man. Like, I was looking at uh, some of the Patriots, like, old stats uh, the other day, and we always talk about, like, oh, like, hey, maybe this year they can get that LeGarrette Blunt role. So I went back and looked at that year where LeGarrette Blunt 299 carries, runs for 18 touchdowns. He was the RB 15 in PPR points per game because it's a stupid freaking scoring system that just gives way too much weight to f- simply catching the ball, man. So, look, I played linebacker back in the day. I love defense. Those are real football players. How big right? are you, Ian? You played linebacker. me with any of that kicker shit, but I appreciate the real football players out there, but I think the fantasy world needs to work on the scoring for them. I am uh, 6'2", and weighing about 213, 214 these days. Oh,
0: you're a big boy, Ian. You look smaller on camera, man. No offense. No offense. Oh, no <laughs>
1: <offense. laughs> man, everyone's always trying to lose weight. Like, I don't know. What, what, <laughs> what, if, what, if, what if you walk outside and get attacked one day, man? I want to have a get little bit advantage. You
0: got to get <laughs> swole, not, not, not lose weight. So, all right, man. Here's the real crux of the situation. Here's why I have you on the podcast. We have to get to the bottom of why you take an average of 36 hours during slow drives. We have to get to the bottom of it. We have to.
1: We have everybody's losing
0: so, so, just for the for the listeners out there, who don't know, we had a fantasy league last year with some with some heavyweights. We had some heavyweights in there. Uh, we had JJ Zachary, Sam Graham, Barfield, uh, Rich Rebar. We had we had some heavyweights in there, right? So everybody was giving Ian uh, a really hard time. I think Ray gave you the hardest time, but then Ray came in second, I think, for his his on the clock time. So we got we got to know, man, are you sleeping? Are you, what are you, are you smoking? What are you (laughs) doing during this time when we could be drafting and hurrying the draft along this? We're going to run that league back this year. I'm relatively certain I'm going to make the executive decision that we're going to have like a three hour clock.
1: Look, man, I had to take my time, and I I, I don't want to celebrate second, but hey, it was a loaded field, and uh, you know I think we I think we replay that championship game ten times. Uh, I'm winning more like six of them, but now honestly, just on me for not having a uh, you know the old notifications tucked up to my phone. Obviously, the sleeping and definitely the smoking thing off uh, comes into play as well. Uh, you know, I actually just messaged one of my dynasty chats. I was like, hey, can we start this shit at noon next week? I'm not really trying <laughs> to wake up uh, too much before then. So hand up, that's on me. And- And, yeah, shout out to Ray for calling me out on my bullshit. But Ray was kind enough to come on the PFF Fantasy Pod. So I think that Ray and I, we aren't enemies. I hope not to be enemies. I freaking love Ray and everything he does, uh, you know, on Twitter. Waking up with Ray G is also, you know, a great product as well. So, yeah, I let you guys down, Evan. But it is a fun league, and I'm happy uh, we'll be back at it this year.
0: There, there wasn't enough shit talking in the league, though, Ian. I'll tell you. We, we really had to pick that shit. I was basically the only one talking shit every week, and um, it was working out for me until the end there. My, my team never panned out. Um, should have. You are, you're all lucky that it didn't. Ball didn't break my way. Um, I did those in the beginning when I had more time. I actually would put out just – I record just like five, 10 minutes of me just talking shit about every team. I did that for two or three weeks, but, but I started to run short on time. I was trying to pick up the action, but you guys are also busy grinding. You're always grinding. So I want to know, during your grind, have you found the hidden fountain of youth that Amari Cooper has found? Amari Cooper, of course, is a twenty-one-year-old wide receiver now for the Cleveland
1: Browns. I'm trying to like, who's going to be our next Amari Cooper? Just the guy that's always so young, and we're just waiting and waiting and waiting. Sam Donald's still only like twenty-three. Sam Donald's going to be one of them. He's there. Uh, the basketball equivalent is Jason Tatum. Um, i just heard people talking about that for years. <laughs> he was drafted Dude. like
0: last year, Jason Taylor.
1: <laughs> Dude, with, uh, what with Cooper though, man? Like how bad does that trade look now for them to have made that like before we see Christian Kirk like getting that same amount of money basically. Like Amari Cooper, I feel like even if he's not in that tier of like, obviously no one's confusing him with Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill or anything like that. But you look at the money that Mike Williams and you know some of these like more tier two, tier three receivers were getting and I think Cooper could deserve to be at the top of that so unfortunate uh timing for the cowboys there i mean god it's we'll see how it works out in cleveland with them too obviously last time a high-priced wide receiver made their way there didn't quite work out and i just have no idea about this uh watson situation not enough people seem to be baking that suspension into things edwin like it has to happen i'm not sure what time or you know we don't need to get into nitty-gritty details of everything but i'm hearing like the david njoku breakout talks and all this and it's like oh that's another guy that guy's been trying to break out for the last 10 years he's only 25 26 you know forever forever 21 forever forever 22 so yeah some jokes uh just don't get old just like amari cooper right
0: (laughs) so i mean we this wasn't on the docket right but like that situation in cleveland from top to bottom just gross um from a fantasy perspective it's gross from from every other perspective and angle the way they did his contract that's gross you can have your opinions it's gross um Whatever the case may be, man. I don't know how you're viewing that offense. Like, I know this is sort of impromptu, but what are, is it? Nick Chubb or Bust is. And since we don't draft running backs early, at least if you're, you know, playing on this side of the year 2005, are you just avoiding Nick Chubb at cost too? I mean, what what does that look like from you?
1: He's Nick Chubb's usually someone that I don't have necessarily. Like him and Derrick Henry, I'll probably just have ranked a little bit low enough where that I'm not going to be getting them in the majority of my drafts. I mean, it's going to be really tough to name more than 12 or 15 running backs that you prefer over Nick Chubb. And he's going to give you a great floor. We've seen that. And for my money's worth, like out of all these running backs in the league, real life, who do you want to have the ball in their hands? Nick Chubb's a pretty damn good answer to that. Just, man, what we found out last year was the big problem. It's that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, for that matter, are two injuries away from actually Getting a featured full time workhorse role because even when Kareem Hunk got hurt last year, Dearness Johnson stepped up. Dearness the train. Man. Dude, AAF freaking Hall of Famer. Like Dearness, you know, the first thing we all knew about him was that he just ran a 4840 and we assumed he couldn't do anything. But he went out there, man, and just absolutely made the most out of all his opportunities. But like, that's that's just the part that gets me. Like we know that Chubb, they're not gonna throw him the ball for whatever reason. And I'm not confusing him with Eckler, but I don't know. Maybe get this big scary dude with thighs the size of Jupiter the ball in open space if you can a couple more times. Uh but the fact that even Kareem Hunt's gonna miss time, I mean, there was a game last year against the Steelers, uh, week 16. 17 like playoff hopes on the line and uh nick chubb actually got out snapped and out touched by Dearness johnson and they said afterwards that he was playing through the pain had a little bit of a nagging injury but man with the season on the line like you're paying this guy like to be a top running back and you're still just putting in Dearness johnson ahead of him it, it's unfortunate fantasy land so with chubb you know he's he's not going to tank your team or anything but at that point in the draft i just think i'll be taking the high upside wide receiver instead
0: speaking of high upside wide receivers we recently had a few wide receivers in the NFL draft that we hope will be high upside eventually. So talking about the draft, let's, I want to know your big picture takeaways. Um, This is an unpopular opinion. I care much less about real NFL to be 100% honest with you than I do about fantasy football. So um, we can touch on NFL, but I really want to know your fantasy takeaways, your implications. Did it land where you thought it would land or was, was there anything that happened from a big picture perspective that sort of shifted the way you're viewing this year?
1: Landing spots kind of sucked. I mean, all the first round wide receivers, other than uh, Traylon Burks, have objectively bad quarterbacks. And even with Burks, I mean, just that run first offense, you know, Tannehill isn't someone we're necessarily, you know, uh, writing home about either. So, and then to have not you know, writing
0: home about Malik Willis either.
1: Yeah, it's true then uh, Christian Watson and then uh, you know Sky Moore obviously got the um, coveted Packers and Chiefs landing spots but then you start looking at those depth charts and like there is a chance that Sky Moore starts the year outside of three wide receiver sets talented player I'm going to be betting on him but just from top to bottom of wide receivers I don't think we have like that Justin Jefferson Jamar Chase entering this year we've gotten spoiled the last two years with it unfortunately it's just like I don't think any of the situations are quite good enough to yield that and honestly like that's just the story at all these positions that was kind of my big big takeaway. I mean, Brees Hall, the Jets isn't bad. I think I, I've come around to it more uh, as I've thought about it, but it's certainly not like Najee. It just took Michael Carter. It just took Michael Carter. They're already talking about making that at least a committee. God forbid, Ty Johnson carves off a few snaps <laughs> per game. I don't want to put that out there in the universe, so apologies. But So the Brees Hall one's okay, but the Kenneth Walker one sucks. Like, dude, I think they're going to split stuff with him and Penny. We'll see about Carson. I don't even know if he's going to be playing football, but the problem is like Even when Penny was doing his thing at the end of last year, averaging over six yards per carry and balling out, they were still using Travis Homer and DJ Dallas on passing down. So I think we're going to have this gross three, four back committee in Seattle in a terrible offense. So, you know, then you look at James Cook, Buffalo running backs have never been really worth a damn. Brian Robinson goes to Washington. Now that's a three back committee. Then after that, it's nothing but day three running backs. So you have to take a really big leap of faith to expect much from them. Who's the one tight end we had any hope for? Trey McBride, where does he go? To be Zach Ertz's backup in Arizona, now we got to deal with this Dallas Goddard 2.0 situation, again, where we just have a talented player not getting the opportunity. So honestly, Edwin, it's all about the price. Again, never hate the player, just hate the ADP. So some of these wide receivers, if they are going to be in that low-end wide receiver three, wide receiver four range, I'm fine taking shots at them. But I just think more than anything, Maybe fading uh, these rookies a little bit more than uh, normal because I do think as an industry, we get too caught up in them. We spend three months of the off season talking about these rookies, changing our opinions, when every single year, obviously, the veterans are the ones making up most of the top performing fantasy guys. Over the past 10 years, there's been an average of 3.1 rookie running backs to be top 24 scorers, 1.6 wide receivers. quarterbacks, 0.2 tight ends. I don't think we're getting any quarterbacks and tight ends. But seriously, man, under two wide receivers, rookie wide receivers finish in the top 24 every year. So I just think that adjust your expectations and particularly for these day three guys. I mean, 80% quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight ends, top performers have been drafted in the first three rounds over the past 10 years. So I'm cool with, uh, you know, learning as much as we can about the players, uh, you know, shout out uh, Graham Barfield. I know some guys, his, uh, yards, uh, created like profile. It can like actually help predict running back performance, even better than like draft capital and stuff. But you better put a lot of research into something like that to actually be, uh, you know, taking a stance over the NFL uh, draft, because as much as we might think we know a player and maybe we do, but Edwin, like we could be right about a player, but if we don't look at that player the way their own team looks at the player, then what's the point of being right about them? Exactly. hundred
0: you know? percent. And I think that's one of the things that uh, I've noticed that when it comes down, so I'm kind of fantasy football analyst adjacent, right? I don't actually create rankings. I don't look at the data heavy. I don't make weekly rankings. I don't make preseason rankings. I'm an injury guy, but I am adjacent to that all the time. I have access to the data uh, with the guys at fantasy points. I talk to people like you. What I've noticed about the up and coming analysts is they, they parse it out into such specific detail that they, they lose. What is it? Whether you don't see, you can't see the forest for the trees or whatever. Yeah, they are yeah. very much in the weeds oftentimes. Um, and you can be right and you can be indignant about being correct, about a player, about their breakout age, about whatever you think is going to predict their success. The bottom line is if Bill Belichick drafts you, Bill Belichick's got an idea of how he's going to use you. And 99% of the time, it's not the way that we want you to be used and it's not the way <laughs> you predict that you'll be used. So honestly, man, it's always it always comes down to talent and it comes down to situation. And if it were me, if I had to pick one from what I've observed, I would I would choose... Uh, a mid tier talented player with a great opportunity than vice versa. I think it takes a lot more time for a play. Maybe the data doesn't show this, but it takes more time for a super talented player in a shitty situation to show the team like in the organization, Hey, like we just need to give you the ball. And I mean, we still see that all the time. So that's sort of, I think that's one thing that I've noticed over the, the people that are putting out sort of well thought out content, like you, JJ Zacharyson's good at this, like walking through the thought process and keeping big picture in mind, not getting caught up in the weeds. It's
1: look at I how think. the conversation with running back changes in February through April. It's all of a sudden people are like, "Oh my God, look at Kenneth Walker's vision! Look at the way he's able! Like, look at these moves he has in the open field." And then it comes time for October, and it's like, "Hey, Dearness Johnson is the only healthy Browns running back. He's going right. to get twenty plus touches, so 100%. he's an RB one." So again, it's fine to evaluate players and everything, but like, yeah, we just really, I just. So, okay to have pre-draft ranks. Just be ready to adjust to them. And yeah, just, yeah, don't get too lost in the weeds there because at the end of the day, especially for running backs, it just comes down to predicting uh, that volume. I mean, we I, I did a, uh, I looked at it. Jonathan Taylor, this isn't a perfect, uh, God. this is a perfect one for Jonathan one. Jonathan
0: God Taylor.
1: Jonathan God Taylor, exactly. But all right, he averaged like 5.6 yards per carry last year. Something ridiculous. If you take, Three yards per carry off that. So if you take Jonathan Taylor from the league's best running back to the league's worst running back, he still would have finished as a top five fantasy running back. Now you can talk about, he wouldn't have scored the same amount of touchdowns, you know, without that yards per carry and stuff, but he was that good because he got that many freaking touches. He caught a decent amount of passes and he was in an offense that gave him that touchdown upside. So uh, it really is one of those things where like JK Dobbins, like, yeah, I get it. He averaged six yards per carry. That's awesome. But just because we want him to separate from Gus Evers and being the guy doesn't mean that's going to happen. So being really careful about, you know, yeah, trying and look at things truthfully. Trying to say, hey, Bill Belichick for the last 10 years hasn't featured really a single running back. I don't think Josh McDaniels is going to go to the Raiders and all of a sudden you know buy, buy away from that as well. So trying to uh, really prioritize what we objectively think is going to happen versus what we want to happen, which you would like to think we're doing that all the time. But I think sometimes uh, maybe just get a little bit too uh, stuck in the mind.
0: Absolutely. hundred percent. So you kind of already answered the question, two guys that will make an immediate impact, which is it doesn't sound like any of them, right? Like you probably, it's unlikely that even a running back to make a a, a super big dent late November, right? Or are we looking at, are you looking at any one guy that you think might actually have a non-zero chance of being on some championship rosters come December, January?
1: I think it's Brees Hall. I mean, he probably deserves to be in that top 20 uh, conversation from the get-go. I mean, with the Jets, I do like Michael Carter, but look, I mean, Brees Hall just with having that thirty-six overall pick uh, draft capital, I mean, he is going to be the guy. Now, maybe it's more of a Javante, Melvin Gordon situation where it's basically split down the middle, but this Jets offense is looking uh, actually pretty good, man. Like, we can talk about, like, should they have used that early of a second-round pick on Brees Hall? Like, did they really need to add Garrett Wilson to the equation? I mean, hell, they drafted Jets. Jeremy Ruckert in the third round, who's a good overall tight end from Ohio State. But, like, what would you just pay CJ Uzoma and Tyler Conklin $40 million for if you're going to be doing that? With that said, it's all more weapons for Zach Wilson to get the ball to. And, man, like, does Zach Wilson just – I don't even know if it's hate, but people just completely writing him off after he was just as bad as Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, what, we're just assuming Lawrence is going to break out of it because a bunch of people called him a generational prospect a couple of years ago. Like, I don't know, man. The Jets, I think, have an objectively better roster around Zach Wilson than uh, Trevor Lawrence. They were building a lot more through the draft and free agency, which I think is usually a good sign of smart team building. And this was Zach Wilson last year, man. He had his best game of the year against the Titans. Two weeks later, he uh what do you what he hurt again? I think he sprained his ankle. Like he got hurt, really didn't look all that great coming back. It took him until week twelve, and then he got one game out of Corey Davis and only two games out of Elijah Moore. He was throwing to like randomly, you know, like when you're playing like year five of like a Madden dynasty and you just got like all these random names out there like the Jeff Smiths and the DJ Montgomery's of the world who like I like to think Edwin, that I know a lot about football I spend every day like looking through these rosters and when I'm getting caught off guard with guys who are getting snaps like in an actual NFL game uh kind of a red flag so credit to the Jets uh for surrounding him and it's one of those things man where okay we like Brees Hall we think he's a top 20 running back we like Eli Moore, Garrett Wilson, top 36 receivers and stuff like you start going through all these players and it's like, well, if all these guys are going to be good, that would mean Zach Wilson is going to be pretty all right himself.
0: That's right, man. So if Zach Wilson can beat out a uh, starting quarterback, all pro quarterback, Mike White and become oh the starting quarterback. That the was Uber the chat, most, I think, oh my God, that was, the. I think. You're the, right. I think you're sorry, right. I have a quick rant.
1: That was go ahead, go ahead. so many fantasy analysts. Like, you know, I, I love, I love this guy. I love John Dago. I talk to him every fucking week. Uh, he's a sharp guy. I'm not trying to say that, but to actually hear people say like Mike white was like good or is a good quarterback. Like that just, to me, it's the biggest tell that you never watched him take a single snap in the league. <laughs> like, He literally, like, we can measure check down rates and stuff like that with PFF. Like, this is like if Jimmy Garoppolo was, like, even more terrified to ever push the ball downfield, man. Like, Mike White in that Bengals game just checked the ball to Ty Johnson and Michael Carter. They each caught, like, eight or nine passes. That was all he did the entire fucking game. The next week, the Bills just dared him to throw the ball more than five yards downfield, and he wouldn't do it. So, just, man, watch the game, people. You know, uh, I hear some analysts try to just, like, say that watching film was almost like a bad thing and it's like you're just being lazy like and the best numbers the best analytics and stats reflect what you're seeing on the film so if you don't watch the film you're not gonna know the best analytics to look for so yeah just that mike white era my, my god Piss, pisses me off edwin
0: do you know how many touchdowns mike white threw in five years two at south florida three in at western kentucky i just pulled it up
1: total probably gonna be uh 86
0: 74 total touchdowns 31 interceptions so pretty good guess pretty good guess so him zach wilson they'll have it out we'll see what happens Ian. um now as we move forward um i really want to know what your top five underwear styles are i really want to know some people are big long john guys in the midwest southern people they like their long johns uh personally i'm a brief guy breathable fabric is very important to me what what are your top what's your top five underwear list here
1: briefs or i'm just i don't have a top five man. It's briefs or compression shorts like i i'm trying to i try to go two days on one day off you know getting the gym or going for running and my god like if you know if have ever been a big working out guy and you've had that chafing go go happen down there once or twice I'll tell you man that Never. happens
0: here in south florida that happens in south florida
1: Never again, man. So, I, I sometimes the compression shorts, things are a little tight and stuff, but if I know I'm going to be active at all, like going for a long walk or run, like I would just throw those suckers on. And hey, man, I will say this again, uh, the work from home, you know, as I said, I, I'd like to uh, sleep in too. I would say top three underwear style is no underwear. Throw that fucking robe on and chill, ooh, man. All ooh. this uh, video talk, I see. The waist up anyway. Uh, what's wrong with the, l- letting the boys breathe down there? A
0: okay, bit? okay. We can live with that. <laughs> all right. What about your top five desserts? This is good. I know you got a top five here. Might be controversial. Start with five. Start a lot with five. of people,
1: a lot of people hate my uh, food take. So you know, here's more. Right. Let's it. hear. Ice cream cake is the number one dessert, uh, preferably chocolate all the way around. Peach cobbler is incredibly underrated. Uh, anytime I was in Nashville, I was with my lovely fiance a couple months ago, and just peach cobbler at the end of every single dinner was fantastic hopefully with some vanilla ice cream i love those frozen lemonade things you can get at like baseball games they give you a spoon they last for like a half hour fantastic stuff there i have a bowl of popcorn every single night before i go to bed so i'll put that there
0: and wait time out that is yeah. not a dessert ian that is not a dessert. popcorn is not a dessert by any stretch of the. <laughs> it's not it's less of a dessert than it is a vegetable what did you just throw in i'm so co- am i in
1: the twilight
0: zone did, did you twilight? just say
1: popcorn it's- it's my list, and popcorns a dessert in this household. And finally, ruffle potato chips with cottage cheese are freaking delicious, man. People hate on cottage cheese, maybe because of the way it looks, but it's apparently like somewhat good for you if you get the fat free. If you get the fat free one, and dude, Ruffles pretzels, even like carrots or shit, you put that with cottage cheese, that shit slaps. So, ice cream cake, peach cobbler, frozen lemonade things, popcorn, and Ruffles and cottage cheese. That's the top five, Edwin. Tell me you spoke without telling me you spoke. Um, So moving on here, we are
0: going to talk now. Any player, any player, rookie or not rookie. Now, in fact, I don't, rookie talk doesn't interest me. I, I really rely on people like guys like you, J.J. Zacharyson. obviously the guys at Fantasy Points. Um, for the injury stuff, I, I rely on Ethan Turner, another physical therapist. Like, honestly, man, prospects and, like, the rookie draft, like, there's so much coverage on it, and I'm just not as interested. Like, I prefer to know these guys when I know them. As veterans, that might be an unpopular opinion. So let's move away from rookie. That's why I have you on right now. I wanted you to give me the lowdown on what you thought, what, and that, that's what you're here for. Now. So let's talk consensus veterans. Anyone who's been in the league a year or longer, that's, that's how we're going to classify veterans. Anybody that you're higher than consensus on, you can use fantasy pros, you can use whatever. You can use just like your subjective opinion of what you've seen on Twitter here in the middle of eight, of, of May now. Tell me who you're higher on than consensus.
1: Got a handful of guys here. Saquon Barkley, let's do it again. Everyone. Yes, you, let's you do it again. And me, no, no, you no okay, time out, time out, time out.
0: I know you're the guest. Let me, I I need to get this off my chest. Let's go. The exact thing happened that I told you was going to happen, Ian. I said, listen, he's got this. He's got this ACL. He's got a pretty, pretty uh, simple meniscus. It's, he's got 10 and a half months to recover. They're going to build him up slowly. They're going I have the, the tweet pinned, Ian. So, and I told you, I said, I'm pretty sure I said it on your podcast too. I said, Ian, what's going to happen is he's going to get another injury or he's going to be on the shitty a shitty offense which by the way one of the wor- historically bad offenses the giants were a historically bad offense in 2021 historically right but i said they're going to build him up he has all world athleticism they hand him the ball or they throw it to him he's going to perform if you watch the game you saw him catch that little sideline that little sideline out route right against that little saints. wheel route
1: oh against God. the
0: saints he still got it he never lost it right here we are Saquon pre ankle injury this is, this is pre-ankle, right? So this is week one through, what is this, four? Yeah. This is his snaps. 48% of snaps, 84%, 86%, 89%. He went from week 48% in week one to 84% in week two. They immediately were like, yeah, that's going to quote unquote ease in it. And when Rappaport said they were going to ease him in, I said, yeah, th- right, whatever. They're going to ease him in. He, he played 84% of snaps in week two. So you will get his targets from week one to week four. Uh, Week one, he had three. Week two, he had three. Then he jumped from six targets and then seven targets, right? So his fantasy points went like this week one through four. 3.7, this is PPR, 8.9, 21.4, 26.9. Then he hurt his ankle, Ian.
1: On the flukiest play ever
0: on the worst play ever that had nothing to do with ace with his acl i i haven't been on the pod, this is the first podcast that's going to be released that i've that i put out since like january right so i needed <laughs> to get this off my chest i needed to i'm sorry i interrupted you you had some you were, you were going to go on your spiel but this is where i'm at with him he is a guy that comes with some risk he's had some injuries it happens he's also worth the upside if saquon barkley stays healthy in 2021 I kick your ass in the cha- – you don't get to the championship. I'm pretty sure that we were on the same side of the bracket. I kick your ass in the championship. I take that championship a lot, as well as my home league. Saquon Barkley is worth the upside. He's worth the risk. The ACL had nothing to do with the ankle. I'm done, And Now I'm going to let you go
1: That's no, I mean, I mean, I can just echo exactly what you just said, basically, man, because that's that role we were chasing. Like it's 2022 running backs don't get 300 plus touches anymore. They don't get to play on 80% or more of the offensive snaps, except in very rare instances, which is Saquon Barkley. So everything was working out until he freaking stepped on his teammates foot, sprained that ankle again, came back, was losing too much time to Devontae Booker and. I get it. He did not look good. It was scary with you know Booker. I like talking about the NFL players like you know Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard for years. You were never sure which one of them actually caught it until uh, the announcer said it. It was sad that for parts of it, uh, Devonte Booker number twenty eight and Saquon number twenty six were having that problem because you know yes, I do think of Saquon, particularly in his prime, as one of just the best players in the league with the ball in his hands. So. Wasn't good down the stretch. He had opportunities. But to your point, man, this was an offense that's just, you know, taking a knee on third and eight from their own 10-yard line. Like, they just did not care at the end of the year. Your but quarterback that- sneaking on the three. What, didn't they yeah, do Yeah, that's that? what it was. It was a sneak, yeah. So, just, you know, complete malpractice from the Clapper and everyone else involved. Just wasn't a chance for Saquon to do anything. But fast forward to this year, the fifth-year option got picked up. Booker's not even there anymore. Now it's Matt Breida, who's been a career committee back at best. Like, I am, I'd am, i be way more concerned about Booker, like, actually taking away meaningful looks uh, than Matt Breida. It didn't take a single running back in the draft. Like, what do you think is going to happen with Saquon? Are we going to write off a 25-year-old Saquon Barkley because he sprained his ankle? on a terrible team like last year. Cause that's what we're doing at this point. So, you know, if that's like the only thing you can say about Saquon Barkley going to next year is that he's going to get hurt. And that's your reason for fading him, Like miss me with that. Where's all that. Where, all the people that are doing that were the same people that just didn't touch Joe Mixon last year. Cause he was apparently going to get hurt. So yeah, I get it. Saquon Barkley wasn't good last year, but like, I was saying like with him and uh, James Connor, honestly, like that's the big, The only thing you can really say about their 2022 is that they're going to get hurt. They averaged the same yards per carry last year. Like, Saquon was not good, but James Conner found himself in a a good offense, and he just got the touchdown uh, upside, which is certainly on the table – for Saquon, all that receiving goodness. Brian Dable now being the head coach. I'm expecting the offense to be better. I mean, for once, man, the Giants have gone through this whole offseason, at least with how they built the coaching staff and everything. I like the move so far. So Saquon, we don't need to draft him in the first round anymore. So it's not even like Saquon burned me the last two years. Like, I'm not making that mistake again. Like, you don't have to make that mistake again because he's cheaper. So if you can get Saquon in round three, man, I am doing that every single three, time. Oh, my God, eat that up. I'll eat that up every time now also a couple other running backs that are just awfully affordable that's the big thing with this and sometimes you know uh, i'll be talking on my podcast and i'm talking about uh just how like a wide receiver is a value because they're you know being going as like the wide receiver 56 and i think they're more like a wide receiver three but the, all that goes up on like the, the quote graphic tweet is like oh yeah ian loves uh you know curtis samuel this year and everyone's like <laughs> well, oh yeah like, that. that's the i do receiver love that but you do
0: so, do you not have access to this this guy or girl who puts these tweets up You don't have their number. You got to get their number, man. You got to let them know. I got to figure something
1: out. Anyway, three running backs, I think, based on their value, we can get behind this year. Yes, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Last two years, he's been the RB25 and the RB29 on a per-game basis, which sucked because we had to draft him as a top 15 running back. This year, he's going as like the RB25 to RB30 again. They don't have the two guys that were stealing away targets. Like, this is a top five offense in terms of available running back targets, which was the whole reason why we got behind Clyde in the first place was the hope that he would be getting these targets. That was what he was lauded for outside of LSU. Now, who is this competition? Ronald Jones, the single worst pass-catching running back in the league, arguably. We don't have Tyree Kill there anymore. It makes all the sense in the world for Clyde edwards hilaire to finally get the targets that has been preventing him from being a top fancy running back in the first place. And you don't have to use a freaking top three pick on him anymore. You can legitimately get him probably in round five or round six. So Clyde edwards hilaire makes sense of where he's going. Cordero Patterson he is he's right there with uh, my other guy Chase Edmonds as just some of the cheapest starting running backs in all fantasy football CPAT Chase Edmonds maybe Damian Pierce for the Texans like those are your guys that are going like behind the Tony Pollard's and AJ Dillon's of the world and it's like man we could just see RB2 uh, upside out of all these guys I know the Falcons took Tyler Algier in the fifth round but day three running back, probably more competition for Mike Davis and uh, excuse me, Mike Davis got released more uh, uh, competition for Damian Williams than anything. And with Chase Edmonds, like now people are worried about Raheem Mostert. I had to spend the whole last off season trying to get behind the guy, but that's the only, you know, Raheem Mostert and Miles Gaskin. They just gave Chase Edmonds 6 million per year. That's basically the same amount Austin Eckler is getting from the Chargers. I think Eckler is a better football player, but again, at that price point, uh, I just think you can get CPAT and Chase Edmonds awfully affordable. Finally, wide receiver, Michael Pittman, the wide receiver one in Indianapolis. Big quarterback upgrade to Matt Ryan. Yeah, they took Alec Pierce in round two. They needed to. You can't go into a season with Paris Campbell and Ashton Doolin as your other starting wide receivers. Couldn't be more clear for Michael Pittman to hopefully make that year three leap that we usually see out of position. And finally, the late round tight end of 2022 is none other than Irv Smith. New Vikings head coach was the Rams offensive coordinator last year. Guess who never left the field? Tyler Higbee. What happened to Irv Smith his first two years of his career? Had a split time with Kyle Rudolph, got hurt last year. The Vikings did not draft a tight end until, I believe, round seven. And the only guy they added in the offseason was a pure block first guy. So I always compared Irv Smith, like the Dallas Goddard, in the early parts of their career. They were really... Overly talented tight ends that we just couldn't use in fantasy for the most part, because if you have two real life tight ends, you probably have zero like high end fantasy ones, particularly if you're the second guy in that rotation. So Irv Smith this year, you know, out of these guys like David Njoku, Mo Ali Cox, like give me the one that's not going to be leaving the field. And hey, Kirk Cousins, this passing game, man could take a step forward. If we were trying to find like the 2022 version of what Dawson Knox was in 2021, where no, like he's not working as a number one option in his offense, but it's a good passing game. He's going to be on the field all the time. And you could see him actually converting, you know, 10 touchdowns out of those 70, 80 targets. I think it could be Irv Smith.
0: Y'all. I gave Ian a general outline like three hours ago. He just, (laughs) I asked him for one guy and he gave y'all, CPAT, CEH, Chase Edmonds, Saquon. Who else did we miss?
1: Michael Pittman and Irv Smith. Pittman Let's go. Irv Smith. Great day to be great. You know that, everyone.
0: That a boy. All right. So Irv Smith, by the way, another ageless wonder. He's only 23 years old. Let's go. He's
1: 23. Young.
0: 23.
1: And this economy.
0: Guy. I'll make one more point on Saquon specifically. This is, this is from a tweet I had back in December. So this is actually regarding the, the New York Giants offense in 2021. They had the eighth worst A dot in the league. The seventh worst in terms of points earned per play. So this is all offense. This is like NFL offense. Seventh worst in points earned per play. Uh, they were a negative negative thirty-eight in points above average. So they were the sixth worst worst in the league. Like that's a negative number. That should not. That number should not be negative. <laughs> they were fifth fifth worst in EPA. So earned points or what is that? Sorry, it's uh oh my gosh, I'm 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 slipping. Ian, help me out. EPA. Oh. Well. Um,
1: Now you got me slipping. Expected 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 points points above
0: average. average. Expected points above average. Fifth worst in expected points above average. Sixth worst in adjusted net yards per attempt. Um, they were bad. (laughs) Yeah, they were like
1: Daniel Jones was hurt too. Like after basically he got hurt in that same Cowboys game. Like Daniel Jones was actually doing some good things early on in the year. We've seen him actually put up like. Honestly, like outside of kind of the Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, like Kyler Murray, Josh Allen tier of Russian quarterbacks, like Daniel Jones is like fifth or sixth there. Like it's definitely a teardrop, but he's someone that I think in the later rounds of a fantasy draft, you could start to look at uh, more often than not, that we're probably not going to get that deep.
0: Um, Another thing that I wanted to mention is a player that personally, that I would add into this, that I would, I would at least throw out there for, some feelers in terms of redraft or if you're in a in a competitive you know position right now and you need a running back ezekiel elliott played ezekiel elliott easy for me to say played on a torn pcl yeah um not great ian that's not great i'm not sure i haven't followed up to see if he had a surgery on it yet if he rehabbed it conservatively but that's part of the reason why he looks so bad so he's had a go of it right he had COVID in 2020 uh he had calf a calf strain in 2020, then in 2021, turns around tears his PCL. He's looked bad, and I he's been bad, and he's not produced. And you might not take him as like your number one guy, right? But he's in the same. I view Zeke in a very similar way, maybe to a lesser extent, as I view Saquon. I think he could be someone that surprises this year. Um, and Tony Pollard again. Is injured for whatever reason doesn't, doesn't work out. With Tony Pollard is he's going to start to take over that volume. I think Jerry Jones still views him as, you know, oh, I paid this guy this much money, I need to give him the ball, right? Whether that's right or wrong, I think Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott is getting slept on a little bit and he's kind of lulled us to sleep the last two years. And again, I'm not saying he's going to be an earth, you know, shattering league winning back, but I do think he can get some value based on what the perception is. I'd have to look at his ADP
1: dude he is again like saquon we can get zeke in round three or four even like people are higher on saquon than zeke because of what you said like it's weird how guys like derrick henry and deandre swift they got hurt and they just couldn't play and we just kind of give them a pass we're like oh you know look how good they were before they got injured whereas someone like zeke or cordero patterson who sprained his ankle against the cowboys and wasn't as good when he came back from that like the guy's tough they're tough and they play through the injury and they're not as good because they're playing through a painful injury. And now we just like, just completely disregard what they were able to do before Zeke in weeks one through 10 prior to suffering that PCL injury last year, overall RB seven RB eight on a per game basis. I mean, he gets shut down against the Buccaneers in week one. They shut down every running back. That's, like their every entire, that's why Dak threw for freaking 500 yards because, you know. Why, did you see why how quick I, those
0: holes closed? I watched some of that film. Did you see how quickly those holes were closing? It was, yeah, it, it was bananas. It was the bananas. one thing that
1: stuck out to me that game, though, he beat Devin White, one of the fastest <laughs> linebackers, to the corner on one of those plays, man. Like, the thing with Zeke is people are unable to give him credit because the contract's so egregious. Like, it's just a shame. I mean, he's going to retire. I mean. I don't know when he's going to retire, but he, whenever he leaves the Cowboys, he is going to be their third best running back in, the NFL, in their history behind only Emmitt Smith and Tony Dorsett. Like he probably already is at that point. But I think so many people are just going to look at him and be like, yeah, but they shouldn't have paid him that much. Like come fantasy bros. On. Those are the fantasy, fantasy bros. bros. And it's like salary cap bros. And like, Oh, you know, you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately my company, uh, you know, PFF, love you guys. Appreciate the paychecks, but you know, <laughs> can we just talk about a running back without immediately being like, But yeah, he's overpaid, you know, like what? So the perfect scenario for every team is like getting an undrafted rusher that you just never extend or give any money to. Man, I've been a big fan of uh, potentially like get rid of the salary cap. If billionaire owners want to pay more money to these players, like- Make it a free market, Make it a free market. And you can say that's going to mess up with the competitive balance. Uh, I don't know. There's more parity in baseball and some of these other leagues that don't have a salary cap to begin with. Different sports, it's going to help the big markets, but- if if the like that's what we're worried about like I don't know if the one positive is a bunch of players getting paid more money and the other one is like maybe we're going to have a competitive balance issue like let's find out so love that call on Zeke and uh yeah 90 million reasons why the Cowboys same thing with uh Zeke and Clyde Edwards-Lair and Saquon Barkley man they are the lead running backs particularly for the Chiefs and Cowboys we have a very good offense and it's just like Are you really going to bet that these players are so bad that they're just going to have all this volume and not make a use out of it? Because, you know, I've run these numbers. I'll I'll do it again this year. Evan, don't have them right in front of me, but like if you can get over 250 touches in a season as a running back, you finish as a top tier running back. Like we have a couple like three out of fifty examples of them not doing it, but you just to make that leap, man. We shouldn't be in the business of like confidently predicting exceptions, and that's what you're doing if you're completely fading Ezekiel Elliott this year. Who are you lower on? Ian? I'm lower on Jalen Waddle, Deontay Johnson. Those are the two, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Those are my big three wide receivers. With Waddle and Deontay, they kind of fall in the same thing with me, where I I think they're both good to very good wide receivers, but damn it, Edwin, I don't like doing efficiency studies and seeing these guys at the absolute bottom in terms of like yards per reception, you know, yards per target. It's just brutal. And we can talk through why I get it. These were limited offenses with limited quarterbacks and everything. And I do think generally these players earn targets, but there's also a case to be made. Like these were, these were offenses that didn't really have anywhere else to go with the ball. And now we have major changes. Like, we really think Tua is going to enable two top 15 PPR wide receivers. Man, I don't I don't and Waddle right now is being drafted that way. So, I'm fine with Tyreek Hill, but I think with Waddle we're just making a big leap of faith of him with Tua getting this new role and just, you know, emerging as someone that's going to all of a sudden be able to return top 12 value. So Waddle, if you would have asked me, if we would have done this a year ago, I think we did. Edwin, I probably cited Waddle as someone I was higher on because he was going, as like the wide receiver 48 before the draft. And it was insane to me, but now we are having to buy him so much closer to his ceiling than his floor. I'm out. And same thing with Deontay Johnson, Ben Roethlisberger was not good. I get that. Mr. Trubisky. Kenny Pickett, not guaranteed to be upgrades. This was also, I believe the Steelers last year, they had the third most wide receiver targets and they had the eighth highest pass play rate in the league. Like, we could be looking at a run-first offense and who's to say if Deontay is still going to be the one over Chase Clayport or George Pickens, who I think are also talented guys. We got Najee and Pat Fryer soaking up targets. Like, this is a crowded offense. And I don't love when I see Deontay, again, literally working as like a bottom 10 wide receiver in terms of yards per target over the past two years. Notice, I did not say anything about drops anywhere. I don't care about those, but it's just a new quarterback and an offense, and now we got to use a top 15 wide receiver pick to go get Deontay Johnson. That's way different than past years when we can get him uh, as a wide receiver two, even a wide receiver three. And Then with Juju, man, look, they paid MBS $30 million. Juju got three. Like, why the hell is Juju going 20 spots ahead of MBS in these drafts right now? Like, people just want to hold on to what happened in 2017 so much. Haven't seen the same players since. I don't even think it has to do with Antonio Brown leaving the picture. I just think don't think Juju looks like the same athlete out there. Been dealing with a lot of injuries. Maybe he is healthy, but just that lack of money. And there's a chance that they just go at Sky Skymore and Marquez Balder scantling uh, at the end of the day. So, Juju, just the fact he's going as like a top 30, 35 receiver, missed me with that. And finally, I think the single biggest trap people are falling into this Albert O obsession, man. The Bron- I, okay. I saw it at first. They got rid of Noah Fant. That's great. You look at Albert O on like an efficiency basis. He's popping at the top of a lot of these models and models. It's a spreadsheet. Can we chill with calling these like models? <laughs> God damn people. It's, it's, an, it's an Excel file. Like chill the fuck out already. But with Albert O, they just drafted Greg Dolchich out of UCLA, who is a pass-catching first tight end with the 80th overall pick. Their new, their you know Nathaniel Hackett. All the new coaching staff is all from Green Bay. Or even when Robert Tunyon was catching 10 plus touchdowns, the dude couldn't play more than 60 percent snaps in a game. They've always rotated tight, always rotated tight ends. They just brought in a new tight end with higher draft capital than Albert O ever had for a new regime who also catches passes like what makes us think Albert O who has played one career game with like over 60% snaps is all of a sudden going to be this guy completely soaking it up. So it's fine to have him in this like, you know, tier two tight end stuff, like alongside the Joku and everything. But some people are already crowning Albert O as a top 10, top 12 tight end. And it's like, I think he's going to be a part-time tight end, probably the lead tight end, but in the number four pass game option in a Broncos offense that let's face it, man, like I don't, Obviously, Russell Wilson is amazing, but when you look at the struggles he had in Seattle, he never enabled really many fancy relevant tight ends. And my first instinct with that was, well, especially recently, they've always been rotating him. It's been Disley, Jacob Hollister, Gerald Everett, like guys just couldn't get there. The only real good tight end he had, though, was Jimmy Graham. And Jimmy Graham has basically played slot and wide receiver his entire NFL career, and we just call him a tight end. If you look at the heat maps, you know, with Russell Wilson, he's always been afraid, maybe not afraid, but he doesn't throw the ball over the middle of the field. So when you have an inline tight end working in the middle of the field, it's, it's just not really conducive to a bunch of fantasy success. So Alberto Waddle, Deontay Johnson, and Juju Smith-Schuster, I just think, you know, we're we're baking in a lot of things that need to go their way in order for them to meet this pretty lofty draft position they're going at right now.
0: What else do you want to add? Anything, any big takeaways, uh, any words of advice any outlooks as we sit here in may
1: um draft season's right around the corner right now i will say the draft strategy i'm leaning towards is shout out tj hernandez at four for four the superhero rb you go either your first two or first two picks or maybe two out of the first three you get those running backs from there start attacking wide receivers i think i'm out on the early tight ends this year there are just enough concerns with each uh, that i don't think it necessarily warrants uh trying to go get that early exposure and you know famous last words we do say this every year but i do think kind of that tight end one borderline uh, has enough worthwhile dart throws to hopefully go get someone and yeah man and then on my quarterback i think it's even late round a little bit too but myself and uh, joy mcfarlane over on the pff fantasy football podcast like uh, every wednesday starting next week we're gonna be doing best ball streams and just really you know going through the roster construction of things because you can't I think the people, I think the problem people fall into, like, you know, these zero RB, like religious movement and all this bullshit going on, like that's fine. And if you're in a draft and all of a sudden, like you're just getting this great wide receiver value in the first three, four rounds, maybe it does make sense to go off in a zero RB direction, but to go into a draft with some strategy in your head and you're just like going to try to force it, like that's going to be the biggest problem, man. So like I'm, there was a draft I was in last year, this, uh, Apex experts league came in fucking second in that one too, but it was with a bunch of these sharp guys. And accordingly, they were t- really letting a lot of these running backs fall and taking the great wide receivers, which I would probably do in a normal draft myself. But once you start seeing that all of a sudden, Nick Chubb, when there's 20 wide receivers, that have gone ahead of him. All of a sudden he starts to become a more reasonable value at the spot uh, that he's being priced at. So really just being willing to change your draft strategy Based on what's happening in the draft, and then realizing, like by round seven to ten, like what kind of players you need to get to fill your positions before drop-offs come. I think that's uh, what we're really focusing most on uh, providing this year. So so far, so good, and uh, I'm just happy we got some landing spots for these rookies, and we can move on. Edwin,
0: what top five hangover cures do you have to give?
1: This is actually great because it's specifically five. First of all, um, I think if you can have sex first thing, waking up, man, it's just oh, going to wow, all right. really helps you. You know, it's going to make any morning better, but particularly when you are hungover, you know, just get that one out of there. After that, definitely, you know, get into my marijuana stash ASAP. Again, you know, usually something that helps more days even when you're not hungover, But particularly in this instance, I want at least two Gatorades or Pedialyte. They're actually making like Pedialyte Gatorades now, which is actually pretty fire. Uh, get that hydration going again. I like to get a workout in, get that sweat going. And usually by that point, if I've done those four things, I'm feeling a hundred again, but if I'm not, we're just gonna start drinking again at that point, everyone hair of the dog will make it feel better after right. a year or two. So sex weed, Gatorade workout and drink more. That's my top five.
0: You know what? I, I just shouldn't have asked the question, but those, all right, <laughs> we'll go with that. All right. It's not what I, it's not where I expected you to go, it's but correct. you know what T- to each their own to that's each their <laughs> anyway this has been the injury prone fantasy football podcast i hope you got a lot of information from ian hardest make sure you go to pff.com uh go to his his twitter handle at i where you're going to find his complete analysis from from his uh fantasy football draft tracker make sure you go there ian thank you for joining us
1: thank you evan i'm gonna make you return to favor before the season man always appreciate your work
0: that's what we're here for man